Yo, this is Pastor Tito here welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And we are doing a series on the Ten Commandments, showing the connection between the vertical lines, the vertical laws really of the left and the first tablet with the horizontal laws of the second. And together we see an amazing relationship principle that helps us not only with our relationship with God, but with our relationship with everyone. And so today we're going to look at the connection between commandments number three, do not take God's name in vain, and commandment number eight, do not steal. So let's see what God has to say about both of those things. Now that praise that we just lifted up, lifting up the name of Jesus is also going to be our focus for today. All right, it's going to be our focus for today as we continue our study, as we continue our, uh, our series on studying the Ten Commandments. And we've been looking at Ten Commandments in five weeks and half the time. And the reason why is because we are showing different connections that exist between the two tablets. All right, the Ten Commandments was written on two tablets. Tablet number one, Commandments one through five, deal with our vertical relationships between you and your creator, God, and your parents. That is included. And then the second tablet deals with our horizontal relationships between you and your neighbor. And so we've been looking at the connections between one and the other so that we can better understand who our God is, how we can live with him, for him, and through him. So we are in week three right now. So if you've missed the first two, you can go to our website, tabernacleofgod.church, and you can see all of the previous ones there. You can go to our YouTube channel again, just search up TGC Familia, and you'll be able to find it there. So if you've missed the first two, I can't give you a recap. You can look it up there. And but today we're going to look at the connection between commandment number three and commandment number eight. And we're going to see why so many things tend to go wrong in our relationships and all of them. All right. So let's start. Let's start for the first one. All right. So we're going to start here. Commandment number three. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Now, I think it's interesting that we're going to read this commandment, especially in light of what we were just singing. So let's look at commandment number three. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, one verse, all right? So we're going to put it on the screen for everybody online or here. If you don't have it, I got you. We're going to put it on the screen. Let's read this one together. This one's somewhat a commandment that I'm sure you have heard many times before. And don't worry, I thought about torturing all of you and saying, hey, let's do a little quiz and let's see how many commandments you know. And we're not going to do that yet. By the end of it, though, ah, by the end of it, though, you should know all 10. But here we go. Let's run it. Chapter 20, verse 7, short verse. God says this, do not misuse the name of the Lord, your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. I'm going to read it again. All right. So here's Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, short verse. Here we go. Ready? Do not misuse the name of the Lord, your God. Because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Now, remember, all of these commandments, we've been saying this, every single commandment is a response to the preamble that God gave at the very beginning. Right before he started listing out a bunch of do nots, God says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of a land of slavery. So before God tells his people what to do, he tells them why. All right. Why should you listen to me? Why should you follow me? Why should you care about the next 10 statements that I'm going to make? Because I set you free. I delivered you because of my great love for you. I delivered you from Pharaoh and I want to show you my love. And this is how our relationship is going to work. Let me show you who I am and how to get, how to, you know, how to make this work. That's what that was. So that's the why. And so here we see God pretty much say, which I don't know if you've ever heard that translation. I'm pretty sure. Raise your hand online. Let me know. Have you ever heard it said this way? Do not take God's name in vain. Have you ever heard of that one before? That's more, right? That's probably a word that you've, you've heard used before. In essence, it's what does it mean to take God's name in vain? Well, look at this translation. Do not misuse his name. Now, God is not like us and kind of like us. I mean, any of us here, would, would you put up with anybody taking your name and not putting respect on your name? Yes or no, right? If you find out one of your coworkers or, or somebody is 
you know, using your name, associating, saying, oh, you know what someone so did, you know, or, or saying lies or putting your stuff out there. No, none of us like, none of us like for others to be able to talk about us, say things about us, especially the things that are untrue. Well, God's no different. But why does God care when he says, don't misuse my name or else? You heard that or else, by the way? Or else, because he says, I will, not, I will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses my name. Guys, this is serious, and so I want to help you out. So what does this mean? When he says, misuse my name, to take it in vain, what does that mean? The word vain, and which is translated the word misuse, actually means to, listen, don't treat my name like if it's nothing. Don't treat it like if it's not important. That's what that means, all right? God wants us, God wants us to be able to use his name properly, all right? He doesn't want us to be able to use it like if it's nothing. And the thing you need to understand about a name is this. It's just like us. When you hear somebody's talking about you, it's like, wait, what they say about me? what they say about me? All right, look, because when they talk about your name, it is connected to your character, isn't it? Right? Your name, when people talk about you, They are describing your character by however they're discussing. Guys, listen, in the Bible especially, it is no different. God's name is always attached to his nature, his character. Now, God got a lot of names, right? It's God, a.k.a. Jehovah, a.k.a. Son of God, a.k.a. Like, you know, God got a lot of a.k.a.s. And all of those are because each each of those names are meant to describe a specific nature of his character. And so God does not want us to misuse that name because to misuse that name is to misrepresent him. That's what that means. So yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure some of us, have you ever gotten yelled at by your mom when, when you go, oh my God, all right? Hey, you know, it's like, you ever heard, all right? You ever gotten that one? Usually that's how I've always seen. Don't say God's name in vain means, you know, don't throw it like a cuss word. Don't use it like as an emotional just bleh, reaction, right? Don't use God's name in vain. Is that true? Yes, that's part of it. Why? Because you don't want to use God's name as just, yeah, as just something, empty words. Oh my God. And you just said it like a, were you really saying, oh my God, you? And I was like, no, you weren't talking to him. You weren't appreciating him at that moment. You were, just, it might as well said, you know, nothing. Oh, you know, gee Williker. same thing, right? Whatever you want to say, it's just a word and it's an expression. You just threw it out there. And so God does not want us to misuse his name because when we misuse his name, when we treat his name like nothing, That's what we represent. That's what we're telling everybody else. God's not important. He's not important. By the way, uh, let me give you the connections here. God's name is his nature. Do you guys know what else is and describes his nature? God's word. God's name is a connection to the truth of God's nature. God's word is the truth of who God is. Guys, this book is not about you. This is a book about God. And so to misuse his name, you could, is to misuse his words, is to misuse his word, the scriptures. And so we are not called to just be flippant with our Bible verses and just kind of whatever thinking, how many of us have ever treated this like, man, it's just another book. Guys, this isn't, a, this isn't just another book. And God's not just another God. This is different. There's a weight to this. And there's a weight to his name. And so God cares about it so much because when we misuse his name, misuse leads to abuse. This is why God is like saying, oh, I'm not going ha- to have this. Misuse leads to abuse every single time. When we misrepresent God, then we are making it harder for others to know him because now they either have false instructions or false associations. All right, and I need you to catch that, guys. When, when God says, I will not let anyone go unpunished who misuses my name, who misuses my words, who misuses what I've given. Okay, James in the New Testament actually says this and doubles down. He says, listen, teachers, some of y'all know this verse, you are going to be judged more harshly than others. Why is God going to use a different measuring rod to judge people like me. Listen, I know what I signed up for, all right? That why does God want to treat others who teach 
at a higher standard than others because, listen, I know, my words, my interpretation, or my reflection of Christ is going to shape the way you view him. It's going to shape the way you follow him. Or if you don't, your soul is on the line. I want to stand here, okay? Do you see that? I mean, listen, I know everybody got a stressful job. All right. You know, you don't do your job right. You know, you might get fired. You don't do your job right. You're going to get chewed out. I don't do my job right. People go to hell. That's pressure. Okay. That's pressure. (laughs) But it's not obviously on me. It's it's God in me. It's the spirit, right? So it's not on me to do that. But there is a participation. I understand. I don't take this lightly. And so, guys, every time in the Old Testament and in the New, God is all over false teachers because false teachers are people who take God's name and his word and they treat it like mm, for their own purposes. They misuse his word. They misuse his name and that misuse leads to abuse every single time. So not only are there false instruct false instructions that God cares about his name, but let me give you one other one. And I've, I've said this a couple, a couple months ago, the false associations. Do you know how many, and some of you might know this, and I've, I've been around long enough to see this. How many people have made life altering decisions because of the advice that came from somebody that was stamped with the phrase, thus saith the Lord. The, which is stop. Okay, if you look, why do, it's not more spiritual to add a bunch of thus to your statement. If God is saying it, he doesn't say the thus all the time. He doesn't need it. All right? If you, if you feel fancy, you can do it. All right? Whatever. That's fine. But do you know how many times people have said something? Listen, God has put this on my heart. God is speaking to you through me right now. And they give people advice. These people run with that advice. And it turns out to be not his advice. And their life gets ruined because of it. And they're like, well, I did what God told me to do. I obeyed. It didn't work. So I guess he's not real. And they bail on him. That happens too often, unfortunately. Because that's a a false association. That is somebody that is speaking from their own heart, their own emotion, their own thought, and they think it's the Holy Spirit, but they're so emotional, they can't tell when when am I being emotional, when am I being spiritual. They can't tell the difference. That's abuse there, guys. God does not like those false associations, neither. All right, we got to be careful because there's things, and there's people out there that put, there's the things of God, and they say, oh, that's demonic. That's not of God. And then there's things that are demonic, and people say, that's anointed. Whoa, calm down. See, we, we do, everybody's doing it all, you know, in every single way like that, and God does not like that because that's why he says, listen, I'm not going to sit there and let you use and abuse whatever. No, it's everyone in the end will have to answer to him. For how we represented and carried his name, we all will have that. So this is huge. This is why God, in essence, you know what this commandment is saying? Listen, do not misuse my name. You know what God wants? He's like, take me seriously. That's the opposite. The opposite of don't take God's name in vain, which by the way, guys, I'm telling, let me help you. For all of the do nots in the Old Testament, all of these do nots in the Ten Commandments, what then is it implying you to do? Think of the positive. The negative command is saying, as long as it's not this, you're straight. So do not misuse his name. So what's the opposite of don't misuse his name? Don't treat it like if it's nothing. Don't treat it like it's not important. What's the opposite? Treat God like if he's important. Treat this like if he really means it. Right? Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. Right? He is a real, he's a real person. His love is real. He really died on the cross. Take him seriously. Take his word for that. Just to take him seriously. That's what he's saying. Do you guys get me? You follow me? That's what it is. So look at the progression. Commandment one, don't have any other gods besides me. Commandment two, don't even make an image of another God. Number three, take me seriously. Take me seriously. That's it. Listen, there's a lot of, let me talk to the Christians in the next 2.5 seconds. Listen, there's a lot of Christians, I've been one of these two, that complain. I'm like, why is God using him or her in a way and not me? Why them, not me? I guarantee you, if we could really examine nine out of 10 cases, that person is taking their prayer time and their devotion time and their walk more seriously than you. That's it. 
Nine out of 10 times, I'd safe to say. If God is using somebody else more than you in one capacity or another, I wouldn't be shocked if it was because this person takes their relationship with God more seriously than you do. All right. Now, I think at the same time, we're not out here, you know, comparing stats. I'm like, how many people you saved today? How many people you saved today? All right. Listen. All right. We're not out here comparing stats like that, because in the end, you are not called to be faithful for what God has called us to do. But I'm just being real. God uses more people at a different capacity when they take him seriously and his word seriously and their prayer time seriously. It's different. So that's commandment number three. Now, this is what we've been doing. We've been looking at the one command, a vertical commandment, and we're connecting it to a horizontal commandment. All right. So there's our cross. Where's the intersection? All right. Let's look at the next one. Ready? Commandment number eight. This was an easy one. Three little verses. Commandment number eight, chapter 20, verse 15. Here we go. Three little words. Do not steal. Do not steal. Commandment number eight, do not steal. What does that mean? Do not steal. What God wants us to do is to possess things properly. Okay? I want you to follow me with that. When in the opposite of stealing, taking something that you didn't work for or earn or anything, what is the opposite? God wants us to take him seriously, take others seriously. God wants us to be able to possess things properly. All right? Here's the beautiful lesson that we all get to learn. I'm sure some, I'm, I'm, I got some, we got some kids and teenagers right now that's going to get a, uh, you, really? You can just say it. When your parents have ever told you, anybody ever had a parent, teacher, coach say, and talk about the beauty, the amazing value of an honest day's work. Anybody? The, the, the benefits of having done an honest day's work. What does that mean, an honest day's work? Meaning you put in, you laid it out, you did your best. An honest day's work. That's what we see here. So what does it mean to possess things properly? Well, let's say you got something that I want. I just can't go up and take it. I got to respect that's your property. That's yours. To respect a person's property is to respect the person. Yes or no? It's a disrespectful thing for you to just go up and take something that wasn't yours. So how do we possess things properly? Well, I can ask you for it, right? Uh, Are you using that? Can I have it? I would like it. Oh, thank you. Right? You can trade. I'll give you this for that. Right? Listen, uh, I, uh, how about I cut your lawn, right? And you, you know, do, we'll do a little exchange in that way. Or tell me what you bought it and you're going to save and you're going to buy it yourself. Right? The, why does God care about the way we respect other people's stuff? Because it's another way of respecting people. All right? We are called to possess things properly, but it's also bigger than that. See, we, on the individual side, guys, this is actually protects relationships. Do you guys know the punishment for this commandment? You didn't see it there. There wasn't an or else laid out. But later on, when God gives the fullness of the law, every time God gave a law regarding theft, this was the punishment. If you stole something, unlike maybe some ancient cultures, you ever had one of those, like, right, they chop your hand off, right? You steal something, they chop the hand off. Not like that. God said, if you steal something, you got to pay it back with interest. Twice as much in some cases. So that means, think about that. Would you think it over twice knowing if I get busted, I got to give twice back? Would you think it over twice? I'm going to steal this guy's 100 because I'm broke. But if you get caught, you got to give him 100 plus another 100. And if you don't got the money or the means to pay him back, you now have to pay him back with your time. I am now your servant and I will be waiting and working for you in order to pay off my debt. Would you, be more, would you be more frequent or more, you know, let me not bother taking somebody's stuff because I don't got enough stuff to pay him back. Think about that. So that, because of the reason why death, you know, oh, theft, death. No, it wasn't for that. It was because it was all about a relationship. It was to preserve and to restore a relationship if it was broken. Because listen, guys, if somebody stole something from you, do you trust them anymore? Yes or no? It's like the ultimate insult, right? If they stole something from some you, if they stole something from you, you can't trust them anymore. And so the fact that I'm not only going to pay back what I got, but double, the point was to be able to reestablish that trust between the individual. But not only that, think of a society now. The reason why there were property rights 
And this was a property right. Guys, this commandment protects the sanctity of private property. The, the one against murder protects the, protects the sanctity of marriage. The one against adultery protects the sanctity of, of marriage. The other one was life, excuse me. This one protects the sanctity of private property. Why does private property matter in a society? Guys, it's, it's huge because private property in society leads to a prosperous society. You cannot have freedom without private property. That is the ultimate freedom right there. To know that I'm going to work and I'm going to do, and when I buy whatever I can earn, it's mine. And so-and-so just can't run up and take it without consequences. And the government can't run up and take it without consequences. You know what that is? That is liberty right there. I mean, the founders talked about private property all the time. That's why they got a little messed up because people were saying, well, people can be property too, right? Slaves. Ooh, okay. There's, that's why the private property thing was taken out. By the way, that's a fun fact. The life, liberty, and the pursuit of what? Okay, that wasn't in the original. The original was life, liberty, and property. That was the original. But they had to take that out because at that point, there were people that believed that people could be property. And so if that word was in there, they would have had a constitutional right to have people as property. So they had to take it out and to fix it and to fight that battle later. All right. So this is huge. A private, a society where you respect private property actually produces trust. All right. It produces trust. It produces confidence, which leads to prosperity and liberty. Go right now to the poorest countries in the world. And guess what they'll have in common? Lack of private property rights. Somebody can just go up and take something and do something, zero consequences. That's why they're poor. Look at some of the poorest neighborhoods in our society. It's usually because of high crime and it's just, you know, things happen, zero consequences. There's no confidence. There's no trust between each other because you don't know who's going to come up and steal and take, take your stuff later. And so because there's no confidence, there's no trust, there's no prosperity. Private property actually leads to prosperity. It's crazy. All right, it's all connected. In a society, you see how amazing that is, right? It's not a coincidence. Well, I'm going to save that one in a minute. But here's the thing now when it comes to do not steal. God's not just talking about stuff. All right? Anybody ever stolen anything? You don't have to say it. I'm pretty sure we've all done it. All right? I took some gum one time, all right, from a cash and carry. Who, I don't know if y'all know who a cash and carry is, all right? I took some gum. I was a kid. I'm like, Gum. Okay, there it is. It was complimentary on your way out, right? That's what I thought it was. And I'm chewing gum, and my mom's like, I didn't pay for that. Where'd you get that? It was right there. <laughs> I was like, it was right there. So I, don't know. I didn't get it. I was a little kid. So we had to march all the way back, and I had to give. It was already open. Mom, whatever. I got to give it back. I stole it. And so, all right, I've done that. I've taken kids' toys one time. I was little. I'm like, that's a cool toy. I don't have it. It's mine. <laughs> you know? And I took it home. Where'd you get that toy? I don't know, so-and-so. Did you ask? Mm, nope. Why? I wanted it. What the? All right, listen. Stealing, do not steal, is not just limited to people's stuff. You guys know that you steal all the time. By the way, you know you can steal someone's time? You can steal someone's time. I know I'm not the only one who is with people. Like, we're friends. We're this, we're that. And in the end, they, you know, they turned out to be whatever. And they're like, yo, you just took a year of my life, right? Anybody been like that? You just took time from me. I wasted it on you. You robbed me of this time. I thought you were different. You can rob someone of their time. Whoo. All right. Y'all gonna hate this. Um, some of y'all got to go to work tomorrow. And some of y'all are stealing from your places of employment. Because you're not doing a great job. You are lazy in your job. You are just given the bare minimum just to be able to get by and cash that check. Guys, you are stealing from your employer if you are not giving your best. Because they could be investing in someone else in order to make the company and whatever do better. If they're paying you, that's an investment. All right? There's a lot of people who are stealing from their places of employment, stealing from their bosses because they are not giving their best. Just giving them their minimum. Guys, we can rob people of so much. You know, how many have you ever, and I know we've done it too. You know, you can rob somebody of their joy. You can rob someone of joy just for being you. <laughs> you can rob someone of your joy for just being a whatever. You can rob somebody of peace, dignity, value. You can rob someone's innocence. By showing, doing, talking, saying. See, we are a bunch of thieves up in this house, right? That's all of us. 
There is not one of us who hasn't stolen something from someone. That's us. But think about it. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do for people who misuse his name because I, am, I know I'm not the only one who has ever at one point not taken this seriously or him seriously. I've done that. There's not one of us who hasn't stolen something. So what does God do for people who misuse his name? Guys, he still extends his name. Think about this. God says, do not misuse it. But do you know what that implies? Here's my name. You can have my name. You can call on my name. Just don't misuse it. Guys, look at that gift. Jesus is the same. When all authority was given to Jesus, when he conquered sin and death on the cross and through the grave, he says, all authority has been given unto me. So now you go. Here's my name. Carry my name and go and throughout all the world and know that I will be with you. Guys, Jesus lends us his name. He says, whatever we pray in his what? Name. Whatever we pray in his name, according to God's will, we can move mountains and this and that. There is nothing too difficult for God to do when we pray according to his will in his name. God gives us his, the gift of his name that has all authority and weight and power. He just says, don't misuse it, okay? Here is my name. Don't misuse it. There's power in his name. We sing that, right? There is power in the name of Jesus. Just don't misuse this power for yourself. And for not only does God give us his name, but when we call on his name, doesn't he give us a new name? Where before our names were abandoned. Our names were hopeless. Our name was sinner, enemy of God. And when we call on the name of Jesus, he gives us a new name, son and daughter, forgiven and loved. That is now a new name that he gives us when we call on his name. And he gives us a new nature. When we call on his name, he gives us a new name and he gives us a new nature to be more like him. That's what he does to sinners like us who have misused his name. Well, what about thieves? We've all stolen something. What does Jesus do? And how was his approach to thieves? Well, he was crucified in between two of them. Some of you guys know, you've seen the pictures. Jesus was crucified with two other people. Scripture says those people were thieves. They stole something from somebody that wasn't theirs. They were on the cross dying for their crimes. And what did they do? They took something that wasn't there. They were takers. And they were dying on the cross, one of them rebuked and ridiculed and made fun of Jesus and rejected him. The other realized, I am here. I am getting what I deserved. I am a sinner. And he recognized who Jesus was. He says, you are the savior of the world. He knew it. That's why he says, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. He knew you're the Messiah. You shouldn't be. He defended Jesus on the cross. And this was a painful experience to even talk. And these two are happy. Yep, 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 yep. Having a conversation, a debate. Okay, with nails in their arms and feet. All right, you got to be desperate to want to talk at that situ at that moment. It's like, just stop talking to me. I'm trying to focus. Right? I'm trying, you know. But no, these guys were at it, back and forth, bickering. And there's Christ in the middle. Jesus died between two thieves. These guys were being punished because they took something that wasn't theirs. And Jesus was being punished, not because he did something wrong. Jesus was being punished to give what was his life. No one took his life. He gave it. Those were on the cross because of what they took. Jesus was on the cross because he wanted to give us life. And he turned to that one thief and said, today you will be with me in paradise. And guys, listen, we're all thieves up in this house. And when we call on his name, he says, you are no longer a thief. You are my son and daughter. You are forgiven. You are mine. That's what he does. So what's the connection? Y'all catch it? What's the connection between the two commandments? Commandment number three, do not take God's name in vain. Don't misuse it. Do not take his name in vain. And do not steal. Did you guys caught it? Do not take his name in vain. Do not steal. Do not take his name. Don't take people's stuff. You see that? Don't take his name because his name is his nature. Guys, do you know that God's reputation is his property? It's his. His nature, his name is his nature. This is his word. 
his truth, his reputation is his property. You and I aren't just called to take it for our own personal use and benefit on our terms. In the same way, we're not just called to take other people's stuff on our terms and how we desire for our own purpose or selfish nature. We cannot take his name. We cannot take people's stuff. The connection with this here, this is the relationship principle that helps us. Why do things go wrong between our relationship with God and our relationship with others? It's tied here. Ready? Our relationships will be wronged if we have the wrong view of God. See, why is there abuse on this way? Misuse leads to abuse. If we have the wrong view of God, we are going to wrong people. Okay, the problem with all of us, and I said it kind of hinted to it earlier, guys. The reality is that you and I, including me, our view of God is too small. Our view of God is too small. That's the issue. We look at God, and even the best Christian of them all still cannot fathom the greatness of our God. Our view of him is too small. And when we have a small view of God, we have a small view of others. And we are going to be more prone to misuse and abuse abuse others if we don't have, if we have a wrong view of God. There's this term, it's a doctrinal term called image bearers. You guys, you know that we, every human being that has ever existed, we are all image bearers of God means that God has put his unique stamp on you, each and every one of you. Regardless if you are a believer in Christ or not, every human being alive today has the image of God in their lives. They're not sons and daughters of God, only those who call on Jesus do, but they bear the image of God. Means that there is a sense of dignity and worth in humanity. We are. That, That is there. But here's the thing, guys, you and I will not treat people as image bearers of God if you have a corrupted image of God. This right here is what impacts this. A bad image of who God is will lead you to have a corrupted image of who others are. And then this is when you play that game when you're like, he's cool, he's cool, he's cool, because these people are more shaped in the image you like. And these people, these people, these people dead to me, right? You don't treat people the same. That's the problem is the being image bearers, guys. And so we need to understand that, guys, that we can rob people of dignity when we have the wrong view of God. Because if we have the wrong view of God, it's going to impact on how we treat others. Our view impacts what you do. Our view of God impacts what you do to others. It's connected. This is why, I, this is why we're doing what we're doing here, guys. Right now, every single week, what you should be doing every single day where I challenge you is to open up, expand your image of who God is. Let's continue to get to know him. Every weekend we gather and every day ought to be a moment where, God, I want to get to know you a little more, a little more, a little more. Because if we don't, again, we will not only rob people of dignity, but this is probably the worst theft ever. Now, Christians, if we misrepresent Christ, we rob people of an opportunity to get to know him as savior. You hear me? If, the, if a bad, a small image of God actually will cause you to rob someone of an opportunity to know God as savior. This matters. This and that is connected together. So in the end, guys, what are we supposed to do? Is I, just, I just said it if you caught it. We guys, to challenge you, we need to have a growing, healthier view of God, healthier view of God, continuing to know who he is, spending time with him personally. We've been saying, right, connect with Christ daily, connect with Christians regularly. It's important to do this because this relationship with God down and and flows out into all the other ones. It starts here. We wrong people when we have a wrong view of God. So what does that mean? Then we need to have more of a correct, a healthier view of God. Because the better you get to know God, the better you get to know yourself. That's the reality of it. The more you step into the light of God, I'm like, wow, God is awesome. You're going to look down. I'm like, wait, oh, oh, I don't look like that. I don't look like him. The better you get to know God, the better you're going to get to know yourself. But the beauty of it is, is when you see yourself, you'll be like, well, I guess I'm a bigger sinner than I thought I was. God's like, yeah, man, I knew it. Told you. I knew it this whole time. Shocking to you. I've been knowing. But I still love you. You're still here. You're still standing. What you and I tend to discover about ourselves, God's known. And he still says, come on. 
Come on. Come on. And so I want to challenge you guys because it's important. The better we get to know God, the better we get to know ourselves. And then the better we will view and treat other people. But it all starts here. There's a lot of Christians. I've even read some stuff that says, well, the problem why you can't get to know God is because you can't get, you don't even know yourself. You need to learn. You need to discover who you are because the better you understand who you are, the better you'll understand God. Foul on the play. Foul on the play called flag. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. Flag. Penalty. It's the other way. You don't, your, your idea, your ability to get to know God does not start with you. Let me get to know me better so I can get to know him. It works the other way. You get to know him and he'll get to know you. And the more you align yourself with him, the better you'll get to know him. It starts with him. Guys, we all need a healthy view of God. This is why our, your Bible time together shouldn't just be, okay, and then you move on to the next thing. Guys, this matters. This matters. It impacts everything else we do. You and I need to have a healthier view of God because, again, we wrong people or things go wrong when we have a wrong view of him. Do you guys notice, again, a minute ago, I said, you know, there's uh, talking about even a society, right? Godless societies, you know what they all have, tend to have in common? Zero property rights, misuse and abuse of people. Communist countries and socialist progressives, eventually, that's what it is right? Where it's a godless system, godless ideologies, right? They, God's not important. People aren't important. People are now pawns in the greater game. That's what they do because they don't see people as people. They see people as property or pawns because they don't have the right view of God. And so you and I need a healthier one, guys, so we don't get things wrong. And so it kind of, uh, I, I saw this and I thought it matched perfect. Um, apparently there's some people in yeah, the park rangers in Yellowstone National Park. They're having some issues with people following the rules. Okay. Uh, anybody ever been to Yellowstone? I want to go. Never been. Anybody? Oh, we got some. I know it's beautiful. I want to check Yellowstone one time. I'm going to make a, a cross trek to the, the country. I've never been there. But uh, if, you know anything, know, if you know anything about Yellowstone, there's this beautiful, there's, there's animals everywhere, right? You can see a lot of cool stuff. You can get out of your car and really experience nature in a great way. But the rule that they put is, uh, people, pay attention. These are, say it with me, wild animals, spelled W-I-L-D, wild animals. These animals are not your pets. They're not friendly. Stay in your car. Or the rule is, if you can't make it back to your car in the time it takes for that animal to get to you, stay in your car. Stay in your car. So what do people do? So they get out their car and they get super close. I'm like, ooh, look, a bison. All right. I'm going to take a selfie with a bison. And I was like, hey, look where I'm at. I was like, living life. And what happens is every year people are getting Attacked by these wild animals. Why? Because they're getting too close. Why? Because they see these animals and they see, well, whatever, it's just a, you know, it's just an animal. They have an unhealthy view of these wild animals. They get too close, things go wrong. Same thing with us, guys. There's a lot of us who get too casual with God. We get too casual. Our, our view of him is, hey, God, how you doing? Good morning. All right, cool. Straight? Still there? Still love me? I love you too. Some of us, some of us are too casual with God. I know, it's like, you know, God's my homeboy, right? And I've seen the shirt. Jesus is my homeboy. He's my friend. He's my bestie, right? He's my dad. And one of those guys, you know, you like to call God daddy. Yikes. Okay, whatever. And so you, you like that. All right. You, you, some of y'all too, wait, is he your father? Yes. Is he your friend? Yes. But pause, yo, he's the king too. He's the king. He's the king. And so sometimes you and I, we're just, you know, he's just there and you just talk to him like if he's just your friend. Is he your friend? Of course, the spirit of the living God is our friend. Jesus is our friend. He calls us. Not only do I call you servants, I call you my friend. But we don't lose sight of the fact that he is the king. He is the king. And so when we get too casual with God, when we get too casual with his word, things go wrong. We get hurt and we hurt others. When we don't have a healthy view of people, we will mistreat them and do something and manipulate and use them for our purposes. Because we have an unhealthy view of them. And the reason why is because we have an unhealthy view of God. And it starts with him. 
It starts with him. Let me give you one verse. Oh, by the way, you know what that's called? To have a healthy view of God is called the fear of God. All right, that's another day. That's another term for another day. I want to challenge you to look it up. The fear of the Lord is what we need to have. And it doesn't mean to be afraid of the Lord. To fear God does not, to, does not mean to be afraid of him. Like, oh, I don't know what he's going to do to me today. Fear is always rooted in mistrust, in unknown. You don't know what's going to happen, so you're afraid. No, 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 we know who he is. We know he is a just and loving, righteous God. So we don't have to be afraid of what he, how he's going to wake up on this side of the bed today. No, we fear him. And you know what the fear means? Take him seriously. To fear him is to put respect on his name. Commandment number three is to fear the Lord. That's what that means. To have a healthy and growing, healthy, expanding view of God. There is nothing and no one greater and mightier and better than him. And I get to approach the throne, but not on my terms. I approach, the ter- I approach the throne on his terms, not just my terms, on his. So that's the fear of God. Let me read one last verse before we wrap up. Look at what Paul was trying to get the church to understand too. Paul was trying to get this church in Philippians to understand, to get a bigger view of God so that they can follow through and live differently. Because Paul knew our view of God, our vertical view of God impacts our horizontal application. All right, our vertical view of God impacts the horizontal. So he wanted to help these Christians understand. He actually says in Philippians chapter two, verse five, he says, adopt the same attitude of Christ. Be and and have Christ's attitude in your heart. Live like him. And do you know what he does? Instead of telling us how, he now says something to give us a bigger vision of who God is. Because the bigger, the better we understand God and trust in him, the more it flows. Listen to his words. Adopt the same attitude of Christ. This is Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Who is Christ? Who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a certain uh, of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death to the cross. God pours in his entire divinity in his humanity And didn't see, you know, these people should be serving me. No, it's not beneath me to serve them and to set them free. He says, for this reason, because God is who he is and did what he did. Because this reason, God the Father has exalted Jesus and gave him the name that is above every name. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? You see that? So this isn't just anyone. He's trying to get him to see this bigger image of God. Listen, to fear God is to learn to be free. It sets us free. All right? It sets us free when we fear God. All right? And so here, what does he say? Every knee is going to bow and every tongue will confess one day that Jesus is Lord. Guys, he's confessing about the future. The day Jesus returns, there's going to be no debate. There's going to be no, well, listen, well, I got, I got an opinion. When Jesus returns, every knee that has ever, every person that has ever lived will rise from the dead. We will all stand before the great white throne of judgment. And we, everyone will bow the knee and say, Jesus is Lord. He was real. God is real. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus is Lord. That's all going to happen one day. But here's the thing. You got two options. There were two thieves. You got two options. We can either willingly bow the knee and confess the name of Jesus in this lifetime as repentant sinners. Or when Jesus comes back, we are, you will bow the knee and confess the name that Jesus is Lord as a conquered foe. One of the two. Either a repentant sinner now or a conquered enemy then the the one now is the only one that we can find eternal life those who will confess and bow the knee to Christ as a conquered foe will be judged but God has extended us his name to a bunch of thieves like you and I to call on his name to take him seriously when I what I just said is it's he said it not me He said it, so take it seriously. 
That is going to happen. And you don't have to wait to be able to see. You can experience God now when you call on his name. One time and listen for your Christians continually. Not just one time, for all time. We call on his name. We call on his name. That is what we are called to do. That is what we're called to do. Because again, our, our wrong view of God leads us to wrong others. So what did Jesus come and do? He came to give us a right view of God by dying on the cross unjustly for sinners like us, for paying a penalty that he did not. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. He did. Jesus's life was meant to show us this is who I am and this is how much I love you. Let me show you how much I love you. Jesus came so that we can have a right view of God and so that things can be made right between us and God. And all we are called to do, call on his name. The name of Jesus, that is it. So I want to challenge you guys. I want to challenge you. This is something that we are supposed to do today and every day. We call on his name. We take our time seriously when we, when we enter into his presence every day. Do not take this moment or any moment for granted because that's what demons want us to do is to take this moment, to take every moment for granted. They want to rob you of an encounter with God. They want to rob you of the peace that can be found only in God. They want to rob you of the joy that can only be found in God. They are trying to rob you by how? By keeping you from the name of God. But here's the thing, guys. Once you call on his name, there's nothing now. There's nothing that can stop him. No demon is big enough and strong enough because even they bow the knee to Christ. So guys, I want to challenge you today, every day, every day, call on the one and only name that can give us life, forgive us of our sins, set us free from the grip of hell. The name that is above what? All names, the name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, to whom glory belongs to now and forever. That is the name that we have. That is the name that we can call to and cling to now and forever. So I want to challenge you. I want to pray for you right now. We're going to do one quick thing, and we're going to call on his name right now in the next few minutes as we finish up. Let's just bow our heads. I want you to process and think, okay? I want you to process and respond. What is God telling you right now? Okay, what is God telling you right now? Jesus, I want to thank you so much because, Lord, we know that we were singing earlier, you are here. And the reason why, not only you are here, and the reason why that, God, that we can enter into your presence because of what you did on the cross. You came to give us and show us the right image of God and to make things right the second we call on your name and confess and look to you and, and, and surrender to you. And God, I pray right now that you may work in our hearts. God, show us. I, there is not one of us here. There is not one of us here who has misused your name and your word. I pray right now, if you're watching everybody here, if you know you, have been, you haven't been taking God seriously lately. You haven't been taking his word seriously. You haven't been taking your prayer time seriously. Just repent of, your, repent of that right now and call on the name of Jesus. Say, Lord, forgive me. I want to represent your name better. Maybe we're not, maybe we're misrepresenting his name in nature by the way we act and talk with friends and coworkers. Whatever it is, guys, whatever it is, just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of misusing your name. Help me to continually use your name and use your word wisely. Help me to be a faithful witness to the name of Jesus. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Wash me clean from that and help me to get to know you more. Seriously. Examine our hearts, Lord. Show us in, where, in ways that we're stealing from one another. Guys, I want you to take a minute right now. How have you, what are you stealing from somebody right now? Some of you may be stealing from your parents. You're taking money from them. They don't know you're taking money from them. Some of you guys may be stealing from your spouse, spending money, hiding money. You're probably hiding money from your spouse. You're making, they don't know. You got it. That's stealing. Are we stealing people's time, their joy, their peace by the way we're acting? Are we wasting people's time? Are we, how are you doing at your job? God, I pray all of these things. God, we are nothing but sinners. We are nothing but thieves in this place. 
But Lord, in the same way that you looked to that thief to your side and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Guys, I, I know, Lord, that today we can experience peace because you can forgive us of all of these things. And God, I pray that you may help us to not be takers, but help us to be givers. God, help us to be more generous. Help us to, to live a life and work in such a way God, that we are, again, giving and pointing to the generosity of who you are. Forgive us of our sins if we are taking more than giving. Help us, Lord, to give with a generous heart, just like you are. Just like you. And guys, I want to challenge all of us here again. If you have never put your trust and confidence in Jesus, the life that you can have, salvation is only found in one way. There's no other way around it. It is confessing in the name that Jesus is Lord and that you are a sinner in need of him. Ask him right now, forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit, God, and help me to follow you so I can find life. God, I thank you for the life that you give us. And I thank you, Lord, God, that we can still in this moment, with the breath in our lungs, we want to call and lift up and exalt the name that is above all names, the names in which sin's chains are broken and that we are made brand new. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Our relationships are wronged and we tend to get things wrong in our relationships when we have the wrong view of God. And so guys, I just want to encourage you. This is why, listen, if you're showing up, if you're showing up listening to this podcast, listening to these sermons, other sermons, you're showing up pursuing, not just reading the Bible, like in just passing, but you are truly getting to know God. You are doing the most important thing that will have a direct impact in all of your relationships because the better and healthier your view of God, the healthier your relationships will be. I'm not going to say they're perfect, okay? They won't. They're not going to be. But I'm telling you, there's a connection between mental health, emotional health, and the having a healthy view of God. It matters. It makes a big difference. Okay, we're seeing now three commandments in, right? Three sets in. We're seeing how our relationship with God literally impacts our relationship with others. And so I want to encourage you again. This is that part of being that revolutionary, revolving your life around Christ, revolving your mind, revolving your pursuit. No wonder Paul would say, I count everything as lost for knowing Christ because Paul knew that was the game changer. That was the game changer. The better I know Christ, the better I know who God is, the better I know who I am in him. And the more he will live through me and impacting other lives. And guys, that's the end. That's the end goal here. Like my challenge to you is to help you to follow through, help you to find faith in Christ and follow through. But not so you can, you know, it's not for you. It's so that God can use you to duplicate what God is doing in you. He's going to do it in other people. All right, this is helping others so you can help others find faith and how to follow through. That blesses God's heart, guys. So keep that. Keep pursuing God and make it a prayer. Lord, help me to get a clear vision of you more and more each and every day. The more I look to you and pursue you. All right, I'm going to challenge you to do that this week.